With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Seventy-two hours away, three days, three days away until the season opener. Here we go. Philadelphia Union and Vancouver Whitecaps. It's finally here. And we spent the last twelve hours at Town Energy Stadium. To, <laughs> we to did. We, we had a marathon day at Dead Talon yesterday. Kevin Kincaid, Dave Zeitlin. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Baxter is not in the room today. He's been exiled. He's serving a um, one game right a mandatory one game suspension for barking at a squirrel uh, the last time out. <laughs> I had to do a lot of edits to the podcast because he kept interrupting. But this should hopefully be a uh, free flowing uh, preseason opener uh, discussion. With it'll be good for Baxter. It's a learning experience, you know. It is, yeah. He's adversity, a um, overcoming adversity, right? For a young, homegrown uh, Labrador retriever like him, I think these are uh, these are formative moments for him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So a lot to talk about uh, the union back at, at training this week, and and Dave and I were down there um, t- Tuesday and Wednesday. They had Monday off after coming back from Florida, and we kind of have an idea of who we think we're going to see on the field. Um, the roster um, situation, starting lineup, is, is is starting to shape up. Jim spoke yesterday. We spoke with Alejandro Bedoya, Jay Simpson, Harris Madunyanin, Derek Jones. Anybody else that, that you spoke to that you got any? Nah, I talked to Simpson and uh, Bedoya uh, yesterday. It sounds like Simpson will probably start, although Jim didn't reveal that one. He said they're still battling him in uh, CJ. So uh, that's kind of up in the air, I guess. Uh, but I guess the rest of the lineup, it seems like Jones is going to start. I mean, that's a big surprise, right? I got a hunch, yeah, that Derek Jones might be the guy because Warren Carvall picked up a groin injury in Florida, and he did not take part in 11v11s on Tuesday. Now, he was he was back in those drills on Wednesday, but usually the formula in the past has been that if you're not training by at that point in midweek, then you usually don't start the game on the weekend. And Derek Jones played a lot in the preseason. And um, so I think they're comfortable with, with him starting this game, albeit in Vancouver, on the road, uh, on turf, against a tough team in a season opener. But, um, you know, guess what? I mean, you got to throw some some dude into the, yeah, Jim in the fire at some point, you know? Yeah, likes to do that, Jim. I mean, last year for opening day, he started Ken Tribbett, and that was a pretty big shock. At the time, Tribbett was like a no-name, and, and now he's going to start hot uh, Derek Jones. So I think, yeah, Curtin likes to give guys these like tough debuts, just throw them into the fire. He says if you don't do it now, then when are you going to do it? Then I what's mean? the point, right? What's the point of having the guy on the roster and signing into a homegrown uh, contract if you don't think he's ready? You know, you, you don't you don't become a better player unless you actually play in these games. And uh, so back to front, I think it's pretty obvious. Andre Blake, mm-hmm. uh, right back, Keegan Rosenberry, Aguchi Anye, who's going to be the RCB on the on uh, Keegan's side, Richie Marquez, uh, Fabinho. He did announce as the starter, yeah. which I think we all kind of knew because. Uh, I guess Gilead. he won a preseason battle, right? I mean, yeah, I don't really know how much of a preseason battle there was at, at the end of the day because I, I think they just saw Giuliano Wijnaldum as a as a guy who um, maybe could be a long term um, kind of you know replacement for Fabinho, who's in the last year of his contract. But um, you know, Fabinho will definitely be in there. Harris Madunyani will be in there, kind of playing more like a six with really. Jones, I think. Well, like Jim said, like they're yeah. both kind of six and eight, like they'll. Kind of it's really doesn't, yeah. yeah. At this point, it's really semantics. I mean, I think we've asked Jim about it so many t- so many times that he's kind of 
yeah. over over it, you know. And um, I mean, just yeah, Mark that, Narducci tried asking him after the press conference, and Jim's like, "You guys are just like you numbers guys are nerds, a bunch of dorks. Get out yeah. of here with this numbers." <laughs> but you know, I think the reason we talk about that anyway was just to kind of differentiate those those two defensive midfielders. It's not necessarily about where they stand on the field; it's sort of about what their role is on the field. And so we know that. There's going to be two guys back there. One of them's going to kind of be the ball mover. Yeah. The other one's going to kind of be the ball winner. And, um, you know, so it'll be Madunini next to Derek Jones or Alejandro Bedoya or Warren Carval if he's healthy. Uh, who knows? But, um, you know, then if, if Jonesy plays at the eight, then Bedoya the plays 10, yeah. at the ten, right? And for and for whatever reason, if Bedoya plays at the eight. Which he told you it's not eight, his favorite position. He told you this week he prefers the eight. He did. He did say that, which I which I found to be interesting because this is a guy that started his career as a winger. Um, but, you know, he talked about the differences his playing. You know, when you're a number eight, you get on the ball more. You're facing goal. Um, you can influence the game a little bit more, set the tempo, and you do, you do see more of the ball. Whereas his quote, you have defenders up your butt. If you, you know, when you're playing as a number 10 and you always you receive the ball back to goal a lot more, right? He said, but that's he funny. He did say, but, which was funny. Yeah. And I wrote a headline around <laughs> it to try to get people to click, <laughs> which we call, we call that a uh, clickbait. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it's a good word. That, My that kid w- loves the word, but he says it all the time. Oh, does yeah. he? Yeah. How's his, he's, he's all potty trained and everything now. Yeah. He, he just likes saying, but okay. <laughs> that's a good sidebar. There. I kind of use it to, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, and then if Bedoya would play the eight, who plays the 10, you know, Roland Alberg, we didn't really see much of him this preseason. Um, so left to right, I think Chris Pontius, obviously the number 10, we would assume Bedoya, if Jones is playing at the eight, then on the right, it's probably Ilsenio or Herbers, right? I mean, I don't really, Jim's been really high on Fabian. Um, yeah, but Ilsenio has been good in the preseason. And has nice been good goal, too. So yeah, I, I guess that's one battle we don't know as much, but I, I'd lean towards Herbers getting a start, but I'm not 100% on that. What do you think? I don't know. Yeah, because play, he played Fabian as a number 10 in the last preseason game, which I found interesting. And Fabian played as a number 10 a couple times last year, even when Roland Alberg was healthy. There was that little stretch where Tranquillo missed two or three games, and Roland sat on the bench, and Fabian played the number 10 anyway. Um, so that's interesting to me. I, I, don't, I don't really know what, what to expect there. But as far as Ilsenio if he doesn't start, he'll be the first off the bench. And yes. if Herbers doesn't start, then he'll probably be first off the bench as well. Yes. Who do you want to talk about the bench? That's one of those guys. Roland Dahlberg is two. Uh, uh, CJ Sapong, if he doesn't start, that's, CJ, three, that's your three attackers right Fafa, there. Fafa, Picol, two. He's, he's back after having that You think that he'll toe. be in the 18? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would think so. He's a really nice. I mean, because they yeah. didn't—they didn't really have a sub for Chris Pontius last year, did they? They would usually bring in. Uh, they would usually take CJ and move him to the uh, left wing. Yeah. You, right, you know, right. he would start as a strike, and then he could kind of come out to the left. So they have a legitimate change of pace, yeah. uh, literally a change of pace. Completely different player at, at left on the left side. Um, so yeah, I mean, the bench then would be. Probably Auburn, Gaddis, McCarthy. Auburn, Gaddis, McCarthy. Um, uh, Ken Tribbett, I guess, would have to be you in might the want, You might want – I mean, normally you wouldn't bring a backup center back, but it's Gooch's first game in two years. It's on turf. Uh, I mean, there are probably worse ideas than bringing Ken Tribbett they along have just to. as insurance. Yeah. yeah, they're just going to have to, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so McCarthy, Gaddis, Tribbett, a, those are your – Unless you have, like, Craval and think he can play center back if he's healthy enough or – yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's going to be some good guys that don't uh, even make it into the 18 this year. Yeah. I mean, so Charlie Davies is he's not, not going to be. Yeah, the 18, he's going to have trouble right? making 18. And he actually, you know, I think he's injured or yeah, something. Yeah, he's, he's, he's recovering from yeah. Yeah. Um, so the bench then will be, let's say, John McCarthy, Ray Gaddis, Ken Tribbett, the your defensive kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe Craval if he's healthy to be a uh, you know if a D mid goes down, yeah. and then you'd have Alberg, Sapong, 
Herbers or Orsini, yeah, right? Yeah. That's got to be it, right? So there's going to be some good players sitting on the bench. Um, you know, as far as Vancouver, they play. Uh, we're recording on a Thursday morning. They play tonight in the second leg of that um, uh, Champions League tilt with uh, New York. So we'll see a little bit more from them, I think, tonight. Um, Kendall Waston uh, suspended for this game because he, he picked up a red card and like a suspension. Um, stemmed from the last game of the year last year, some some goofy shit that he got involved with. Um, so he won't be playing, but mm. Kakuta Mane, Christian Teixeira, um, maybe Eric Hurtado or maybe Freddie Montero will actually start in this game, um, depending on what they do in the Champions League. But uh, Vancouver is a team with a lot of speed, uh, you yeah. know. And it's, um, it's not the best team in the league. It, it's probably not a playoff team. It's too hard to tell, but it is a team that presents some challenges because of that speed with like Gooch back there, and then you have the turf, you have the travel. It's a pretty tough game for these guys who are playing their first. A game in MLS to travel 3,000 miles. It's a six-hour flight. It's on turf. It's like yeah. they're like a, a lot of these weird, like kind of unique challenges to this game. I know, right? You're uh, imagine you're Jay Simpson and you're coming over here, and it's like your first road game is like flying back home. Yeah, uh, probably longer trip actually. Probably further from Philly to Vancouver yeah. than yeah London. Maybe it's the same thing. Um, Harris Madunyanin, you know, hey, guess what? You get to play on turf, and it's probably it's supposed to snow, I think, in Vancouver, and obviously the. Yeah dome will be closed but can you imagine that um and they're leaving today so they're gonna spend four nights there who says yeah. this team doesn't spend money for i know four that's nights where at the, a, <laughs> an expensive vancouver hotel this that's is where a... the budget that's where the uh the <laughs> slice of the, the pie is going that's where the budget's being spent on but uh but good for them you know i mean because that's something that they wouldn't have done three or four years ago yeah, i mean that even on a thursday for a sunday game that's, almost, flown that's unheard of for them yeah. saturday and had a half-ass practice and then um probably <laughs> lost but yeah, you know, Vancouver too, a team that came to Philly and won last year. So I, I, I think it's a really, really tricky matchup for him. I think it's I think the big the big story for me tactically going into this is Madunyanin and Anyewu not being the fastest guys and maybe not being accustomed to turf and having to deal with guys like Kakuta Mane um and a lot of speed and, and I worry about the union spine and uh how it's how it's gonna hold up if the game gets stretched. They they just gotta stay compact and they gotta keep the shape and do what they did at the beginning of last year, which was play good team defense and sort of keep it together. Uh, keep that tightness 10 yards between the lines and, um, you know, sort of feel the feel their way into it, you know? I mean, cause, cause you know, you're not going to have a ton of possession on the road. And if they do give you possession, you know, Vancouver's a really good counterattacking team. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch number one, as we talked about who, who plays at the eight. Uh, and if it's Derek Jones, he's going to have a lot of responsibility to kind of, Keep an eye out on Harris Madunian and Aguchi Anyewu and say, guess what? These guys are over 30 years old. Maybe they're not used to playing on a ton of turf, uh, and maybe they're not used to playing against this kind of speed. So I think I think if he's on the field, he's probably going to be the you know the key the key player for the Union. So uh, what's your pick for the game? Um, you know I just I just think it's going to be like a like a two one Vancouver maybe. Um, mm-hmm. I can see the Union getting a goal. Uh, either early in this uh, for for them. For the Union? Oh, for the Union. Um, I say Chris Pontius gets a goal uh, kind of <laughs> against the, the run of play, you know, with like a well-timed late run or something. I could I could see this sort of going. Slotan is not working through that door, Jim says. So. Oh, yeah. That was a good quote the other day. To um, me, goals by committee, he, he said, which is interesting. I could see Chris Pontius getting one, but I could see Kakuta Mane score, and I could see Vancouver getting another one. I just, I just, um, I just, I'm just feeling sort of like a 2-1, 2 2-1 Vancouver kind of thing. What what say you? Uh, Yeah, it's hard to. I'll go. I'll go one-one draw. How's that? That's reasonable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because uh, 
Yeah, they really, at the end of the day, they didn't win a ton of games on the road last year, but they weren't terrible on the road. You know, they just they just always ran into some kind of boneheaded thing that would always hurt them, you know? Um, like a goofy red card or a late goal or something like that. But it wasn't like there was yeah. any, a lot of games on the road that they they've walked into where they, weren't, yeah. where they weren't competitive, you know? Yeah, they've had a lot of over the years, last couple of years, just weird red cards or like late goals giving up. I feel like they've had... Yeah, They've kind of been cursed on the road. I don't think the context of of those res, those road results really. I don't. I don't think the final result of it really fit the context of right. what, you, what you saw in the game. But um, um, other notes, I guess, w- with the with the team, Marisa Do sounds like he's he's jogging. Uh, he's not. It doesn't sound great. It doesn't sound <laughs> great at all. No, because I think Jim sort of said on Tuesday. He said, "Yeah, he's running." They're and hoping at has, first he'd be back in time to actually play in the opener, and it doesn't even sound like he's close. And this is just bringing back memories of last year when every every day is the same thing. <laughs> it was like, yep, he's not ready yet for like weeks and weeks, and then he missed the whole season. So, not it's, it's hard to be optimistic with him at this point. Unfortunately, I know, I know. and you just wonder if he's ever going to be the same player when he does come back. The rest of the injuries, Carval, yeah, like I was saying, I mean, he was out there on Wednesday. Um, Charlie Davies. Papa's gout. The gout, yeah. I don't like toe gout. I've never heard of that. What one did Jim before. say? It's the first time he had he said gout for like a young player. That's yeah, a, that's a funny quote too. He said usually <laughs> that's the players like over thirty or something deal with that kind of thing. Um, I mean, otherwise, I think it's straightforward. I think we know we know what the deal is this time, and I'm just ready for the the yeah. season to finally start. Um, I mean, a quick look a- across MLS. I mean, any any other kind of predictions or any other storylines or anything that are. Worth mentioning. Uh, the expansion no, teams, obviously. I'm excited. I mean, It'll be a fun year. Yeah. Um, Atlanta's going to be good. Minnesota could be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, well, it seems like they don't have too many guys. Uh, I mean, aside from that, I think. Do you think there will be any like huge shocks? Do you think any teams will take big leaps? I like think Atlanta, Chicago, maybe. Or? I, well, yeah, I think Chicago is going to be good. I think Atlanta's going to be really damn good. I think Atlanta's going to finish top three in the East. Think so? Yeah, I really do. I mean, they got a lot of really, really good young talent there, and good American guys to to. I mean, it's it's not like it's not just about Miguel Almiron and Hector Vialba and stuff like that. I mean, they have like Michael Parkhurst and Brad Guzan and Jeff Lorena. With like they they do have proven winners uh, as the complimentary sort of American guys that you're not even talking about on that team. Um, I think in the East, it's probably going to be the usual suspects. It's probably going to be Toronto. Red Bull, NYC could New York could City has star power. Um, I just don't. I mean, if if the Union are going to f- improve this year, I just I don't I don't know who they're going to displace in that top five. Yeah, I think you they. Know? I could think they can move up to maybe four or five, but I think fifth, top I three think, could be tough. I think looking at all the star power that's in the East and the way the teams are this year, I mean, fifth place would be a phenomenal season for the Union. I think realistic, it's probably sixth again, but um, yeah. I just don't. Again, I think they have a lot of a lot of depth and a lot of really really nice pieces, and they made some nice moves in the off season. I just don't. I don't. Again, I don't see. And I wrote about this the other day. I don't. I don't know who the superstar is on this team, yeah. and I don't know who's going to be the guy to get the ball in the eighty yeah. first minute and make a make a play. You know. Well, the thing I'm looking at is they didn't bring in a superstar, but when you look at the off season moves, they only lost one really good player in a Barnetta, and, True. They, and they brought in maybe. Four potential starters so just looking at at that alone they have a deeper team they have probably a, a more talented team so i think they they will be better this year t- 
than they were last year, but other teams will too. So I, I think right. it's, it's, gonna it's, be hard, always, it's gonna be hard to take a big leap for them. It's always gonna be relative to how they improve compared to everybody else. Um all right, so that being said, I just wanted to mention something about um I was talking on Twitter yesterday last night about Uh-oh. this um CJ Sapong story that I was working on for the last year. And I don't I don't want to spend too much time on it here because I kind of summer summarize it online, but um basically I mean long story short, CJ had the DUI rest back in um twenty fifteen and I worked with Philly Soccer Page over the last year to try to get more details of that story. And we have um I'm pointing to the transcript of the the trial, the DUI trial that we were able to obtain and, and we wanted to get the dash camera video to, to kind of be able to compare the dash cam to what we had in the transcript to see if see what the judge saw, um, the judge who found CJ not, not guilty of DUI, right? Um, and basically, long story short, I narrated through it on Twitter and, and two police officers, two state troopers were on the stand. They pulled CJ over on the Vine Street Expressway at like four in the morning, uh, did the field sobriety test on him. CJ didn't want to take a breathalyzer. Uh, went back down to the police station and also refused to do a uh, like a blood test, a chemical test there. And uh, basically what happened was the judge was, because he didn't take the chemical test, they didn't have any proof that he was drunk. And, um, you know, the judge was looking at the dash cam video and he just wasn't convinced, right? Uh, so basically we tried to get the dash camera video. We went all the way to the to the Office of Open Records and we ended up getting stonewalled at the Pennsylvania Supreme Court because uh, there's currently a case that the Supreme Court is ruling on right now called... Uh, Pennsylvania State Police versus Michelle Grove that basically determines if we have access to uh, dash cam video, if dash camera video should be public. So what happened was the Office of Open Records asked us, they're like, hey, would you be willing to wait for the Supreme Court to make the decision on that? And we said, no, we can't really do that because number one, the Supreme Court might just decide that in a in a way that's not in our favor. And also, it wouldn't be fair to CJ to two years later to drop this story on him in the mid in the middle of a new season, right? So I know that even now wasn't the greatest timing with the season opener a couple of days away, but it was sort of like now or never. And the story basically fell apart, so I just wanted to share some of the some of the details um, online so people would be able to see some of the relevant passages about what he what he talked about and whatnot. Um, so for you, having looked at those uh, transcripts, do you think CJ kind of got a uh, raw deal? I think based on his testimony, it sounded like the cops were, or I'm sorry, the state police were kind of short with him. You know, he testified that he went down to the station and one of the police officers said to him, hey, we don't have all night here. Can you hurry the fuck up? Uh, those those are his words, not mine. Um, and the, But the cops also said, I'm sorry, they're not cops, they're state troopers, uh, also said that CJ was sort of fumbling around with his license and he couldn't produce his re- registration and stuff like that and he was having some issues. Uh, when he got pulled over, but also too, this was in 2015, like right after he had that really bad concussion and surgery to start the year. Remember where he had the facial fracture or whatever. Uh, so he was probably taking painkillers for the concussion too. And I wonder if that added some fogginess or some, um, you know, mental, mental limitations for based on him taking that really hard knock to the head. Um, but again, we, we couldn't get the dash cam video, so we couldn't compare it, but, um, he testified that they were kind of being assholes. The cops said that he was having trouble, Doing the sobriety tests and stuff like that, so I guess we'll never, yeah. never really know, you know. Yeah, there's not too much I can add, obviously, but um, it was a good job by you to kind of get that stuff. And if I'll just say, if he did get screwed and he wasn't drunk, that's 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 too bad for him. Well, and he had to, yeah, and the thing it was is, out there; it was public. He had to leave. You remember he went to, 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 California, he went to California for California. days. So I mean, it's, yeah. it's unfortunate if 
if that is true. That's he all. went to California because he had to do the. He missed three games because he had to do the mandatory substance abuse thing that the league makes you go through. But then you go do that. But then you're found not guilty of DUI. Um, I don't know. To me, it just seems weird that you would make somebody go through that program before the legal, um, the legal process is is done. You know what I mean? Um, anyway, the other thing that we wanted to mention, we wanted to talk about this stick to sports um, concept and like the story that I wrote the other day. Um, basically, what I was trying to say. Premise, whole premise of the thing is that if you want to talk about politics uh, on Twitter, um, because it's such a you know volatile political time in this country, I think sports writers should be able to do it. The whole whole idea that I had was just you got to just kind of take the temperature of your readers, and if your audience, your readers, your Twitter followers are cool with you talking about politics, cool. And if your editor is cool with you talking about it, that's fine too. But um, you know, it was more about kind of de- defaulting to them and deferring to them because they're the ones who read our stories and listen to our podcast and watch the advertisements and stuff like that. So that was kind of the angle I wanted to take with that. Some people kind of came out and said, you know, Kincaid's like a right wing neo <laughs> neo Nazi fascist Trump um, normalizer and stuff like that. But I'm looking around. I've been, his I've room. been talking a while. So I see I'll no just... Nazi stuff around here. So I, I can confirm he's probably not a Nazi. So. <laughs> but um, you, you have, you have, no, uh, yeah, taken I, the other, I the read, other direction. I, like I said, I thought it was a, it was a well written piece. You got your points out there, and it looked like so, uh, some of the feedback you got was good. I think maybe the reason why some people didn't take to it that well is the term "stick to sports" is almost kind of like offensive to people in some ways because they're like human beings that they have their own Twitter accounts, and especially now with people see Trump as a grave threat. So if if they say something that's not sports and someone says stick to sports they think you know this is my account this is my voice this is what i want to do so they see it as a little con uh condescending yeah and like and almost as if you're trying to silence like if dave zeitlin comes out and retweets something like uh donald trump gave a really shitty speech last night and i say to you stick to sports like you could construe that to say that i'm like trying to silence your opinion um at the same time i don't like I don't tweet about politics because I don't like confrontations with strangers, and I think Twitter can be kind of a toxic place for that kind of stuff. Uh, people's opinions aren't changed based on tweets. I post about politics on Facebook sometimes, and and I feel better about it because those are like my friends, and mm-hmm. I don't mind having debates with people who, who have different uh, political views. But I mean, I mean, uh, for me on Twitter, I don't like to do it. So I mean. I guess I do stick to sports, but uh, <laughs> but here's the but, but, that, but that's yeah. But you, but I think you just kind of explain what I was talking about, where it's a different audience, and you kind of read the room a little bit. And here's the thing: if if Dave Zeitlin takes into account who his Twitter followers are, if your editors at MLS Soccer are cool with it, if your your editors, your bosses at Penn are cool with it, and if the people at Comcast Sportsnet are are cool with that. And you say to yourself, hey, you know, taking all these things into consideration, you know, maybe I can talk about politics here and there because my my followers and the people that I work for are okay with it. Then I don't I don't see anything um, wrong with that at all. But isn't it always an individualized case like that? Yeah, and it is. And now you also made a a good point. Like if you're writing articles about an undocumented immigrant who plays on a team, then that's, of course, that's fair game. I mean, I've written articles like that for like Penn. So, I mean, it's kind of a gray area sometimes when sports and politics intersect, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I know that people say sports are politics, right? If you follow any kind of national team, that's political. And, uh, 
those two things are like forever intertwined. And I don't I don't disagree with that, but I also don't seek out the political side of sport in everything that I do. You know, like as, as you were just saying, if Donald Trump's travel ban results in, you know, a Muslim soccer player from uh you know, Sudan or whatever, not being able to come over to play for the Philadelphia Philadelphia Union, then then absolutely we should be talking about that, and that's a story that should be mentioned, right? Um, and I know Grant Wall and some other people have kind of trended into that territory. Like, what I don't think is constructive is if people are just retweeting stuff like, um, you know, Kellyanne Conway is an asshole for <laughs> kneeling on the. <laughs> That was, a, that was a stupid story. <laughs> kneeling on the couch. For kneeling on the couch, right? Like, if 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 I, I think if you're going to share those political opinions, I mean, and you're obviously anybody is entitled to do that if they think she's an asshole, then so be it. Um, yeah. But you know, there are there are relevant intersections between sports and politics versus just stirring up shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, like you say on Facebook, we we know all those people and we're friends with all those people and so the context is different but um i don't politically if anybody cares i've I've always been a moderate and my family's always been moderate and they voted for both democrats and republicans and stuff like that and um that's just always the way i've looked at it i I don't i don't see the stick to sports thing as trying to silence anybody because i disagree with them or trying to tell people that they don't have a right to expression or whatever i just think it's more about taking a step back and looking at your readership and if they're cool with you talking about that then go for it you know yeah and i think people do like lose followers when they do it or they gain followers so you have to be willing to if you do tweet about politics you have to be willing to kind of accept criticism accept confrontation to possibly lose followers to to gain followers So, so to each person it's their own thing i mean if you're fine with that go for it if you're not and you'd rather just just tweet about sports. I mean, that's fine too. I think. I think that's fair, and that was a reasonable discussion right there, which is proof that hey, maybe we actually can t- can talk about these. And things. And I so, hate your politics. And, I, <laughs> and you're a fascist. But um. All right, should we take questions? Yeah, it's about late in the mood. Twenty five minutes. Should we let Baxter in? in anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now that we're done with that talk, the dog uh, can come back into the can come back into the room. Yeah. Why don't you? Um. You know, I think on my phone over here. Uh oh, dead air, dead air. All, All right, right, so uh, Twitter podcast. questions. Uh, here we go. Uh, here's one. Uh, we got some uh, predictions early. Predictions for who leads a team in goals and who leads in assists. Ooh. Um, hmm. Yeah. I. Uh, I guess Jay Simpson for goals. <laughs> well, no. I guess I think it might be Pontius again. Yeah, Pontius was last year. Pontius. Um, Herbers was for assists last year, and he's gonna play more. So you'd think Herbers might keep that assist ground. do you remember how do you remember how many of his were like primaries uh, versus yeah. secondaries because he, i could see nice harris ones. with with goofy mls rules i could see medunian logging a lot of sec um secondary assists okay yes you know so you have harris versus playing like that first ball diagonally or into the channel or something like that and then somebody else plays it across he's going to get an assist for that too right yeah uh yeah so uh so you think Harris for goals and then first, no I'd say Harris first for Harris for assists and for goals Pontius you like uh you like Simpson um I'll say Pontius Pontius for goals okay. what do you, what do you uh, think? yeah I'll go with uh I'll go with Herbers for assists and you said Pontius so I can't say Pontius too no that, you can say it's that a tough too. one how about uh Bedoya for goals yeah he's uh, it's interesting I don't know what what Ali's gonna do um numbers numbers wise this year he's kind of an X factor isn't he 
Yeah, and uh, I think he'll score some goals, especially if he plays in that if 10 spot. Yeah. 10, yeah. Um, right, what else you got? There? How well do you think Curtin will manage his players in regards to uh, to um, depth and uh, players not getting playing time? Uh, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, I don't know because we don't really have a uh, precedent to work off of, right? Because he's mm-hmm. never really had any depth. I think he'll yeah. use it well, but I think he does kind of tend to be a little formulaic. And and I don't want to say he plays favorites, but I think you're going to see a lot of Fabian Herbers in there versus Roland Alberg. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Alberg might be Alberg might be the biggest one. I don't want to say controversy, but the, the, the biggest like good player who has trouble getting time. Um, and that's going to be hard because he's not a guy who's going to play for like Bethlehem, I don't think. And no. if he's not getting time off the bench or if he's starting, I mean, that could kind of turn into a tricky situation, I feel like. He also just doesn't, you know, and he called me out on Twitter the other day for, I don't, I'm not really sure why. I think, I think he was just upset because when, yeah, like, when, when we talk about like starting lineups and kind of projections and stuff like that, he's never really in the discussion. I, I think that's maybe what he was upset about, but I, I don't like, Dis, um, I don't disclude. Is that a word? Disclude? What the hell am I talking about? I don't <laughs> disclude. I don't, okay, <laughs> I don't not include him because I don't think he's a good player. But based on what we've seen from the coaching staff of the last year, they don't ha- they don't have him as a, as a starter. So it's not yeah. it's not me or you or Matthew right. George making that up. It's we're this is what we've seen from the coaching staff. You know, it's Matt George making it up. It is. Matt you can't trust that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which union players will get the most time with the steel, and how much better will Bethlehem be this year? So, um, you know, I guess Eric Ayuk will probably see a lot of time. A lot of the rookies like Corey Epps, um, uh, Mar- Marcus Epps, and uh, Marcus Epps. Sorry, uh, Marcus Epps, Aaron Jones, Jack Elliott, Jack yeah. Elliott, Chris um, Manko. Are there any other guys you think will? I mean, do you think uh, Austin Trusty? Yeah. Hopefully, again. Do you think, I mean, what do you think about someone? like charlie davies who's still kind of like recovering do you think he might get a few games better to play for steel and sit on his ass here you know interesting right i don't know what i don't know what's up with charlie at at this point but yeah i mean you might as well steel had such a bare bones roster last year that they they've really um fleshed it out nice nicely this year compared to what they had in 20 2016 do you think maybe fafa or like adam Adam Najem, he looked. Najem looked really, really good in training the other day. I mean, the kid just has like a. So did Fafa. I thought he. I thought he's, so too. he's fast. He's, he's really just got a lot of. You know, Fafa is a guy who plays with a lot of. Um, I don't. I don't really know what the word is. He just. Um, he plays with a lot of purpose. You know, he always looks yeah. like he knows what he wants to do with the ball. I when, agree. He, when he gets That's what it, I noticed right? to practice, yeah. yeah. Like he gets he was it fast and, he'll dr- and he goes right to goal too. Yeah, yeah he'll drive it a defender or make a pass. He doesn't waffle on the ball and he's 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 very um he's very decisive. Will Mo ever play another game for the Union? I I know I was pessimistic before, but I still say yes because they're kind of leaving that spot oh, not open, but uh Derek Jones, Warren Carval, Brian Carroll, these are not like franchise players yet i mean jones could become one but these are guys that mo could could beat out for that spot uh, when he does get back or he could play center back too which is always an option <laughs> so i think if he's healthy he'll play um i guess the main question is if he'll ever be healthy again and i mean i it's, it's hard to imagine him being out for two straight full seasons he, He's not Joel Embiid, right? I mean, <laughs> God, <laughs> I don't. I would agree with your answer. Yeah, I don't think he'll ever be the player that he once was. But, but I think will we'll play, see yeah. him on the yeah. Okay. Um, if Jones exceeds expectations of the eight, would center back uh, make that the most sense for 
for Mo if he makes a full recovery, which I just kind of touched on. And I've, you hate talking I've, about Mo. He's the best center back on the team still. Uh, I've, yeah, I've said that for two years. Um, how excited are you to see to see um, Yards Brewing Company in Talon Energy Stadium? Oh yeah, why the hell not? Well, the, you know what? You know, a bit of information on there too. The dogfish head thing fell apart because there just wasn't. I think they were losing money on it, and the union tried to get other breweries interested in in uh, doing like the river deck this year, um, sponsor like selling sponsorship for the river deck. And uh, I don't think the negotiations were really going very well. I think they were asking for a lot of money, and um, the dogfish thing just just didn't work out for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I like yards. I think they're moving too because they're right down the street from us right now. Did you, do you drive by them when you? Uh, yeah, I think I have seen them. Yeah, yeah, they're moving to Spring Garden. I think they have a like a bigger um, facility over there. It's it's right where the um, where the uh, fire police and fire union building is. Okay. Anyway, uh, do you firmly believe the hype on Atlanta? We kind of talked about that. Is there any Absolutely. chance Minnesota creeps up in the West? Yeah, we, we both think Atlanta will be good. I don't think they'll be quite as good. I I I, I think they might get like the five or six. Because I just think it's harder for expansion teams than most people think. I mean, there there have been few examples of expansion teams who who have really done well. And these guys like are even New York new, City, yeah, yeah. And these guys are new to MLS. Yeah. You know, even if they have a lot of talent, like Miguel Almiron has not traveled two thousand miles to play on turf. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, Minnesota not coming in the last two spots. They've built. They've quietly. Me. They've quietly built a nice little roster in Minnesota. But yeah, so, again, yeah, they don't I, have. I just they, don't think they're. They didn't, go the super, yeah. the, yeah. they didn't go the superstar route, but I think next year though they have something to yeah, build Yeah, they're building on. for long term. I don't sure. think Adrian yeah. Heath is a great coach either. So. Uh, hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. Nope. Um, how many starts do you predict for a do? We talked about that. I don't know. How many starts do you want to say? 15, 10? I'll say <laughs> seven. Uh, a couple other people want us to make more predictions. Would be fun to hear preseason wagers on the podcast. Goals leader, number of wins, final place in the table. If the union, what do you want to bet? If the union make the How about playoffs, Baxter? I'll give you Baxter. <laughs> We're on the same page with that right away. <laughs> I would love Baxter, but uh, he, he probably wouldn't get along well with, with the, my with cranky your, old dog. With your dog, yeah. um, I don't know. I don't really have anything to wager. I don't think wagering on the Philadelphia Union is generally a smart. Uh, well, how about we go? Um, uh, we'll set the place in the East at like five and a half. I'll go over. Un- over. How about okay? So over under. Because you think they're gonna be six? I'll say under. fifth. I'll say fifth or better. You'll say six. I'll say that the union or worse exactly where they finished last. Okay. Year. Yeah. So you have sixth or worse. I have fifth or better in the East, and then so what are we? So what do you want to bet? Um. I uh. I guess Baxter's the only choice. I yeah, know. I don't know. Well, we'll we'll figure that out later. We got the bet down. Well, maybe we can let the viewers. Yeah, why don't Why don't you guys? If you guys have ideas, yeah. tweet us. What the viewers? The, if the you're viewers. watching the podcast, <laughs> the yeah, all of our viewers. Uh, um, if we'll let the listeners decide what to um what we can wager on that. I say sixth place. Dave says okay. fifth place. How, so who do you have winning the East and the West? Oh, uh, winning. The, uh, I haven't thought about this yet. Uh, who 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 do you have? Um, in the East, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Toronto wins the East. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And in the Damn West, oh, God, I, Seattle repeat. Well, I mean, they didn't, they win, didn't win. win yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I mean, well, I'll say Dallas. FC Dallas. See Dallas. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll... Dallas is still the best. If, if Mario Diaz is healthy, they're my, I'm going to say MLS cup. I'm going to say Dallas beats 
Toronto in Dallas. Okay, I'll have Toronto winning the cup because I think last year will serve as the uh, motivation. Okay. Um, I'll have Seattle winning the West, but I don't think they're going to get back to the MLS Cup. I think they're going to have a good a good regular season. Last place win the West. Last place in the West, I think I would have <laughs> Houston. Um, sure. And last place in the East, I would say New England Revolution. <laughs> I don't. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, once you get to like that sixth spot, it could be the Union, it could be New England, it could be. And is Columbus going to be bad again? I New England's know. interesting because they have some good attacking players. They got Aguilera, like Kai three... Kamara, Lee Wynn, <laughs> Kellen Rowe. Like that's that's a good force. I don't think I they think. have a defense though. Um, well, they brought in two new center backs. So yeah, I really don't know anything about those guys. The yeah. one guy is like a Slovenian guy who sounds like he has a Latin, um, Latino sounding name. So there's my. Um, Racially insensitive comment for the <laughs> for the podcast. Uh, I won't say anything. <laughs> Proving uh, to all my critics. Yeah. Uh, so we're doing last place. I'll say um, uh, Minnesota last place in the West and last place okay. in the East. Uh, how's Orlando supposed to be? Uh, hopefully better under Jason Christ, but their defense is an issue yeah. too. So I, that's what I'm saying, man. I just don't know if, them, if, if there's going to be movement in the East. Who makes way? I mean, who who are you? displacing and that's that's the issue i have for the union i I don't i don't see them i mean because look you do it top to bottom like toronto new york city new york rebels um who uh, dc united atlanta's gonna be good uh who the hell else am i am i missing chicago is probably gonna be bad i mean who who that's that top four i mean who do you who i don't think any i don't think the union are moving anybody out of that top four to um, but I don't do power rankings. Yeah, we'll see. MLS is a weird league. Uh, all right, we only have a few, a few more questions. Do you think Curtin and Bedoya get along? Sometimes Bedoya's body language, I do think they get along. Yeah, <laughs> at least just even that exchange that I posted the other day, it was, I put the audio up on our on our podcast page. But he he he's just naturally a combative kind of guy, but he's not an, an asshole. No. He, like he's not. He's interesting. He's inter- and yeah. and that's that's great because in a world of like canned quotes yeah. and and the BS that we hear he's every good. single day, I like like, Ali, like yeah. talk about the game. Yeah. You know, he'll at least give you something interesting. Uh, where do the goals come from in this team? As we, as Jim kind of said, it'll be by a committee. I mean, there could be two or three guys who get 10 goals, but there's not going to be a guy who scores, who scores 15 or more. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, no one's walking through that door. Uh, yeah, I don't think, yeah. <laughs> Did you have, was there any, uh, any other thing else on there? Uh, let's see. Do you think Jones deserves a spot? We talked about, yeah, yeah we, we think Jones deserves it, right? I mean, if not yeah. now, then when, yeah. You know? Uh, what better? Uh, what better place than here, right? What's this? What better time ep- than now? That's uh, Rage Against the Machine. What's this one minute episode radio. all about with Ali Bedoya's expectations? Oh, yeah, is that a Dills question? Yeah, Dills, why don't you click on the thing and listen to it, <laughs> and that'll explain it to you. Um, all right, I think those are all the questions. So uh, yeah, we'll see you in Vancouver. Did you have any uh, quick thoughts on the women's game last night? Because we were both down there. No, it was a it was a good atmosphere. It was it was, it was fun. Like, it was close. Yeah, to it was, out, it was it? almost a sellout. It was. A, it turned out to be a, a nice night. They were predicting possible uh, rains or or a thunderstorms. Yeah. Uh, Carly Lloyd played well. She she didn't score the, the second straight game here. Who's uh, 
Williams scored uh, the game. Lynn Williams, yeah. who's like 23. Yeah. She, she's one got of their... Got the start, yeah. yeah. she's one of their good prospects they that they're three, kind of looking uh, for. They played a 3-4-1-2, yeah, which I found really the formation, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Change, it's nice so. to see the uh, women's national team being more uh, adventurous tactically yeah. than most uh, <laughs> MLS teams. But um, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't know enough about the women's game to... Um, to comment intelligently on it, you know, I, I wish we still had a, um, a, 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 you know, like a, well, they were in the WPS back then, but if the independents were still around, for instance, and we had a local team to cover, I feel like our like group of guys would probably be, be more in, t- in tune with, um, with the women's game. You know, I know like Tannenwald's really sharp on that stuff, but I, I just, I, I don't get to watch enough of, um, you know, and NWSL to, to be familiar with enough of the, um, no, but it, the other pl- other players, it was a good yeah. game. I mean, the top two teams in the world got to play. It was a it was a full stadium, and to see Town Energy Stadium full in March was nice. And in a couple more weeks, we'll get the uh, Union there. So yeah, that'll be yeah. exciting too. All right, well, that should uh, do it for uh, this episode. Was this like number twelve or something like that? It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Thanks for listening. As always, we did uh, the last one did really well. Um, so cool. thank you again for, for for listening and whatever. And um. Kevin Kincaid and Dave Zeitlin. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. And just a reminder, stick to sports. No.